0: hello people it's Alonzo Bowden and welcome to episode seven of who's paying attention it's my podcast those of you who've been listening regularly know I ramble on about who knows what I actually do have a list of topics I just sometimes lose focus First thing I want to talk about, the music poll, the, the results are in. Eight people answered, good enough for me. You guys seem to like the music. You like the jazz background. I'm going to keep the jazz background. To those who don't like it, I'm sorry. It might be a little distracting, but I know my voice is a lot louder. Now, here's the deal. Some of you are asking what the music is. It's jazz music played by various friends of mine, uh, guys like Marcus Miller, George Duke, uh Gene Williams, who I grew up with Eric Darius will be in there Rick Braun and a lot of other guys We don't say what the music is For one thing, I'm not sure what the music is Let me tell you how the podcast works Roddy, who's my brilliant producer at The Network Plays the music after I give him the vocals Okay, So I give him the podcast, I give him what I recorded Then he adds the music down there at The uh, Sideshow Network And then you get the completed podcast. So I give him a lot of music. I don't know exactly what he uses and we wouldn't be able to announce it anyway, because then we would become like a radio station and then we have to pay royalties and there's like legal stuff involved that we don't want to get into. So I just play music by friends. Now, those who do like jazz and are interested in what I'm going to be doing, there is another website called smoothjazz.com, which is sort of an online radio deal. And I am going to be doing a show there It's going to start within about a month It's going to be a two hour weekend show And there I'll be playing music And I'll be telling you what the music is And it'll be just like a radio station So check out smoothjazz.com They do have an app You can listen to them now And that's the deal with the uh, Business of the podcast Now let's get to the actual podcast Because This week's going to be fun now, some of you say, "Man, you're too serious. You're too heavy. You got to make it funny." I can't do better than this. Here's our lead story: Antonio Cromartie, Nick's his reality show with his 10 kids and their eight moms. For those who don't know, Antonio Cromartie is a cornerback for the New York Jets. Formerly my favorite team till they got Tebow. Now I'm I'm a free agent as a fan. I'm looking for someone to root for. But Cromartie, you got to love this guy. 10 kids from eight women. He actually has nine children under the age of four. So they wanted to do a reality show. They wanted to show the 10, the ten kids, the eight women, and they're, they're across six states. Just imagine the frequent flyer miles and the kids visiting each other. So Cromartie said, no, he's not going for it. He's paying his child support. He pays $3,500 a month to all but two of the mothers of his kids. And, and that's because he's married to one mother, so I guess you don't pay child support. I don't know what's with the other one. Maybe he just don't like her. That's 24000 a month in child support. And Ryan Ross, the mother of party's fifth child, said, our kids need to know who their siblings are. Well, chances are any kid they run into might be related, so that, that shouldn't be too hard. She said, it's bigger than our password Antonio. He's got nine kids under four years old. How long was your past with Antonio? You you were there for, what, half a season? Yeah, I think it's bigger than that. But anyway, he said he don't care. He's not interested in being, you know, Kate plus eight or the, or the, the, the chick who has 19 children or whatever. He wants to play football, pay child support, and I don't know if his kids will ever meet each other. Man, imagine the family reunion. Wow, Antonio Cromartie has so many kids. There are actually Mormon families telling him to slow down. Yeah, that's right. I did a Mormon joke. More about Mitt Romney to come later. But that's our opening. We've got Cromartie and the kids. I think it'd be a good show. It'd be fun. He wouldn't have time to be there. But would it be interesting to see 10 kids from eight moms across six states collecting 3500 a month? It's like a math problem. If three of Cromartie's kids start in New York and three kids start in San Diego where he used to play, in what state would the three to six kids meet and possibly bump into four others when he's a free agent? He's probably playing Dallas, right, or KC, somewhere in the middle of the country, save on travel. I don't know. Good luck, Antonio. God love you. Moving on. More um, More sports. Meta world peace. That's right. The man's name is world peace, but he does not adhere to it. To those who don't know, meta world peace plays for the Lakers. His name used to be Ron Artest and he was famous for his temper. He's the one who played for Indiana when he ran up in the stands during a Detroit game and laid some whip ass on a fan. He also had a bad habit of, um, Domestic violence—you know, been through that whole thing, been through the domestic violence. I don't know what do you call it—anger um, management classes or whatever. Seems to have gotten over it. Came to the Lakers, won a championship, and probably the first and only athlete in history who, in his victory speech, thanked his psychiatrist. Yes. Then, Lakers had an off season. He changed his name from Ron Artest to Meta World Peace. World peace. He's going to make the world a better place unless part of that world plays for Oklahoma City because he laid a shot on Harden. I don't know if you saw it. He elbowed James Harden in the back of the head. James Harden went down. James Harden got a concussion. Was it intentional? I don't know if it was intentional, but it was kind of like you're aware he's there. You know what I mean? Like you throw your elbows out to celebrate, but you know he's a little too close. And it, it went right through James Harden. The beard didn't protect him. The Mohawk didn't protect him. It was a shot to the head. So now, world peace will be suspended for seven games. If there's no world peace for seven games, how violent will the league be this week? Meta world peace setting a bad example for peace lovers all over the place. I don't know about you, Meta. What do you change your name to this season? Meta not mess with me. Or I'll elbow you to the head. Cheap puns here at the podcast. Sorry about that. Couldn't resist it. Moving on. Let's go to the movies. I'm telling you, we're, we're keeping it light for now. Okay. Have you heard about this movie, Ted, that this movie... Is coming from Seth MacFarlane. He's a guy who created Family Guy. If you haven't seen Family Guy, you don't have a TV. It's on seven times a day, every day, everywhere across the country. And the show's hilarious. He's got a movie called Ted starring Mark Wahlberg. And Mark Wahlberg's friend, it's a buddy film, his friend is a stuffed bear. That's right. I said it, a stuffed bear. The, The premise of the movie, he makes a wish when he was a kid that his bear was real. His teddy bear does become real. It starts talking. It hangs out with him. And now he's a grown man with a live teddy bear as a best friend. Now, here's here's where it gets weird. Here's where it gets funny. I know, a grown man with a teddy bear friend. That's not the weird part. There's a rule about movie trailers. Okay, let me see if I can explain this well enough. You have what's called a green band movie trailer and that means the trailer's safe for everybody. So even though the movie's rated R, you can still see the trailer. If the movie's rated PG-13, you can still see the trailer. And we all know that, you know, like violence is always rated PG-13. You can you can blast people, you can stab people, you can blow them up. It's good old American violence and it's fine for the children. Sex, that'll get you an R. That'll get you an R. You can kiss, you can make out, but the minute it gets beyond that, you get an R. Cussing depends on the word. There's there's like literally a number of F-bombs you can have before ready goes to R. Drugs get an R rating. And it, this is where Ted comes in. There are green band trailers, as I said, anyone can see. Red band trailers, you have to look at those online. Not fit for public consumption. Ted gets a red band trailer. Why? Because the teddy bear takes a bong hit. That's right. We can't handle it. We cannot have our teddy bears smoking weed. Damn it, this is America. This is why Rick Santorum needed to stay in the race because there are teddy bears smoking weed on movie screens. What is the world coming to? Let me tell you something. Google the trailer for Ted. It is hilarious. This movie is going to be a hit. This movie, it, I, if it's as funny as a trailer, it's brilliant, okay? But you can't have the kids watching Ted smoke weed. You know how... How ridiculous that is. Next to my dry cleaners, I live in California, as you all know, and we have legal medical marijuana. You go get a card. Well, you need an ailment to get a card. No, you need between two and four hundred bucks to get a card. They'll make up an ailment for you. Next to my dry cleaner is a medical marijuana joint with valet parking. Okay? So we can valet park to buy our weed, but we can't have a teddy bear smoking weed. I don't know, America. I'm worried about us as a country. We'll see how this. We've lost world peace. Now our teddy bears can't smoke weed. We're 0 for 2. One more note on the movies. Congrats and a big shout out to Kevin Hart and Steve Harvey and all the guys and women involved in the movie Think Like a Man, because it has taken over as number one. They have dethroned The Hunger Games. Hunger Games was number one movie for a month. For four weeks, it was at the top. Every teenager in America saw it, and they all said the same thing. No vampires? I thought it was a teenage movie. Forget it. It's gone. It's over. The kids are killing kids. That's dropped down to number three. Think Like a Man is number one. I've worked with Kevin Hart a few times. The brother is hilarious. I'm happy for him. He is now a bona fide movie star. Does it help me? No, not a bit. Well, maybe. Maybe he'll need security in one of his movies. Kev! If you're listening, if anyone can get this podcast to Kevin Hart, if he needs a security guy in a movie, I am available. Seriously, Kevin Hart is like five foot nothing. He he, he is hilarious, but I could pick him up and carry him. All right. Now let's get to the, I don't know, to the heavy stuff, to the, to, yeah, yeah. yeah, We're going to go politics because, you know, politicians are some of my favorite people. They're so honest and fair. They're loved by everyone. Looks like Barack Obama is finally stepping up. I shouldn't say finally stepping up because he's been doing it for a while, but now they're talking about it, and I, for one, am happy and think it's about time. He's throwing around his executive powers. That's right. The president does have a lot of executive powers, and of course, it's a partisan thing. You know, if Obama does an executive order, it's the most horrible thing. It's the end of government. The Constitution's being ignored, and that'll be the right wing. And back when Bush was president, when Bush used executive orders and the left wing was, oh, it's the end of the world and, and he's crazy and he wants to be, you know, Hitler and rule the world or whatever. It listen, the truth, the fact of the matter is, our political system is broken. We have a Congress that automatically votes no on anything the president says, the whole thing's partisan. So the presidents are like, hey, screw it. We'll use our executive order. And and I remember when Bush would do this, what you do, he'd appoint people When Congress was on vacation, you know, that's how he got his guy in, into, uh, the United Nations and Obama's doing the same thing. Obama's using executive orders for, you know, different things. Um, he's got a slogan. We can't wait. In other words, he's telling Congress, look, forget it. I'm not taking another chance. You know, they, they had that whole debt ceiling thing where Congress was holding the country hostage. We're going to shut it down. He's had it. So now Obama's just doing things, you know, by executive order. it's, it's not major things. He's not starting a war. All right. He's not signing the order to blow up the world or, or dismiss the constitution or anything. Although if you listen to the right wing, that's exactly what he's doing. But it's things like, um, work with the EPA anti-smog rules. Look, I'm not a fan of anti-smog rules. I'm a gearhead. But anyway, um, Policies for jobs for veterans, preventing drug shortages and other. And I don't mean drugs like the marijuana that the teddy bears are smoking. All right. Kids, don't let your teddy bears smoke weed. It's a gateway drug. No, you know, medical, Medicare things, things like that. So he's using um, easing the terms on student loans. He's doing things. That Congress is obviously not going to vote for or vote on because they're trying to stop the president, especially now. It's the election cycle. They want to do as much as they can to make him look as bad as possible. And he's like, screw it. I have the power as president. I can do executive orders. I don't know the full list of things he can do, but it's kind of cool to see him just throw his weight around. And, you know, Obama's such a nice guy. Just one time, I'd like to see, yo, Congress, kiss my ass. That should be the executive order, the, the order the president telling the Congress to kiss his ass. We're still waiting to see what the Supreme Court says about health care, and we know they still hate him, but this is one where I'm with it. Throw in some executive power, Barack Obama. Stand up. Do what you want to do. Just please, please, please don't start any wars. Speak of the Supreme Court, they're working on health care. They're still trying to figure that out. Now they got another one. Here it is. The immigration law is heading to the Supreme Court. Okay, remember, a couple of years ago, Arizona decided that illegal immigrants were the problem. Every problem they had, crime, even though their crime rate was lower now or when this law was passed, what was that, 2010, 2008, 2009, somewhere in there, they were blaming the Mexicans for everything crime rate was actually lower than it was in the 70s. So I don't know who all these criminals were that snuck in. But anyway, they blamed them for that. I think they were responsible for drugs. Um, they had something to do with global warming. Um, they were clogging the left turn lane at major intersections. And pretty much anything that went wrong, you just blame it on them damn Mexicans. Here they come, and it's their fault. And And very surprising... After Arizona passed their immigration law, which basically said if the cops see some Mexicans hanging around, they can ask them for their papers. If you get pulled over for a ticket, ask for your papers. You know, just, just the way America treats its citizens. And oddly enough, it just seems to be the Mexicans didn't see a lot of immigrants from, I don't know, India, you know, getting checked for their papers. Nobody's in Chinatown. Why isn't anyone ever in Chinatown telling them to speak English? I travel all over America. Every major city has a Chinatown, and minor cities have a China block. And the signs are in Chinese, and the people are speaking Chinese, and no one gets upset. But hoo-hoo, you start speaking Spanish, you are destroying America. Now, Arizona did this law, and it was followed by some of the most open-minded states in the Union. This is what shocked me. States like Alabama, South Carolina, Utah... Indiana, where the Klan was formed, these states actually wrote strict immigration laws. You know, and forget about the federal government, which that's why this is a Supreme Court issue, because immigration is something that's handled by the federal government. And if you don't like the way the federal government's doing it, well, you have to deal with the federal government. We can't have states making up their own immigration laws, but maybe we can. It's up to the Supreme Court right now. We'll see. How this goes, and you know the, the interesting thing is, there's a lot of police in Arizona who, you know, the cops who will actually have to enforce this. Or like, look, we don't want to be bothered checking Mexicans for their papers. Let's. Sheriff Joe in Arizona is the most crazy, paranoid, racist. This guy's got a—he has one of these police departments. We used to have it in L.A. with Daryl Gates, where they only answer to him. He doesn't answer to anyone in government now. I don't know who was a Mexican who beat him up as a kid. Some Mexican kids must have beat the hell out of Sheriff Joe when he was a youngster. He never got over it and you've heard of Sheriff Joe pink underwear in the jails and and you know uh, he, the guy's out of he's out of control. There has to be a limit to how long you can run your own department in law enforcement because what happens and it's shown over and over you get an us versus them mentality and they are the enemy and they are the criminals and so on and so forth. So it's going to be interesting to see which way the Supreme Court goes on this thing with the Latino immigrants. I shouldn't say that because it's actually an immigration law, but who are we kidding? We know there's selective enforcement going on and who they're out to get, those damn Puerto Ricans. Speaking of Mexicans, for the first time since the Depression, and I'm talking about the 1930s depression, more Mexicans are leaving the U.S. than entering the U.S. Yeah, I mean, let's face it, our economy's in the shitter, so there's not a lot of jobs. They're being hassled by law enforcement. There's, you know, why why come here? Why deal with all that? So, let's see. I'm going to just read off some statistics from this article out of the Washington Post. Um... The massive boom in Mexican immigration is over. Um, I don't think it will ever return to the numbers we saw in the 90s and the 2000s, says Douglas Massey, who's a professor of sociology and public affairs at Princeton University. So he's a guy who knows what he talks about, what he's talking about, unlike me who's a comic who's looking for some funny shit in this long article. So, nearly 1.4 million Mexicans moved to the United States moved from the United States to Mexico. I'm sorry, 1.4 million from the United States to Mexico between 2005 and 2010. That's double the number who moved out a decade earlier. No wonder Lou Dobbs lost his job. He didn't have anyone to blame. Was there anybody in the media crazier about blaming Mexicans for everything than Lou Dobbs? Lou Dobbs just blamed it all. And, uh... There's a number of reasons, you know, it's it's the anti-illegal immigration stuff, deportation, lack of jobs. Isn't it funny that I I believe it was Oklahoma or yeah, I think it was Oklahoma or maybe it was Alabama where there was a farmer who tried to hire Americans for them jobs that Americans just won't do and they could not handle it. Picking vegetables and, and taking care of animals at slaughterhouses is hard, dirty, smelly work and the Americans couldn't handle it. Mexicans did it. Not to say Mexicans inherently work better, but it's the way it works in immigration. I've said it before. I said it. I'll say it again. Their only mistake: they were a hundred years late. Okay, in the early 1900s, every immigrant group that came here, whether it be you know Polish, Irish, German, whatever, whatever European group, they came in, they did menial labor. They didn't speak English. Their kids learned to speak English. Their kids translated for them and they became American. It, it takes time, and everyone's done it, and every one of these people judging the Mexicans has a grandfather, a grandmother, a great-grandfather, a great-grandmother that came here from the old country. They didn't have computers back then. They couldn't do background checks. You went to Ellis Island. They looked at your papers. In some language, they didn't speak. They stamped the papers, and they Americanized your name. So leave the Mexicans alone. They are not the problem. They are. We have problems. There are bad ones, but... You know there were Italian gangsters that came over with the mafia and Irish mob and all that. It's the same immigrant story. It's just for some reason these immigrants are evil. Wait till they realize how many people are moving here from India and what they can do with computers. Whoo, that's going to be scary. Wonder where how we're going to get rid of them. So anyway, fewer, excuse me, fewer Mexicans are entering the United States. The problem is over. Uh-oh. Who are we going to blame? Hmm. Speaking of Mexico. Now, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if this one is reversed or what the deal is here. Walmart, truly an American institution. You can't get more American than Walmart, could you? Well, you could when we used to have mom and pop stores, but Walmart put all of those out of business. So now Walmart is American. So well the American corporation listen it's getting late sorry about that let me focus damn it this is a podcast this is important information Walmart's been bribing Mexican leaders Mexican politicians Mexican lawmakers Mexican regulators to open Walmarts in Mexico they've spent as much as 24 million but Walmart has agreed to investigate themselves yes Walmart will have an investigation of Walmart. Much like when our, our esteemed governor, Arnold Schwarzenegger, you heard of him. He played governor in California for eight years. He was accused of groping women. And when he became governor, he said he's going to save money by not investigating himself. Well, Walmart said, damn it, we will investigate ourselves. We'll get to the bottom of the $24 million in bribes we paid to various Mexicans to open Walmarts in Mexico. That's hilarious to me. I, I don't I don't even understand it. Like, I guess you know some people say, well, in order to do business in Mexico, you have to pay bribes, unlike the United States. Yeah, in New York, no one ever bribed the mob to get a little cement poured. and eh, where where was Jimmy Hoffa buried? <laughs> Never mind. That doesn't happen in good old America. Walmart's dirty. I don't. I personally. Look, I don't like Walmart. I don't like their business practices on numerous levels. They take advantage of their employees. They don't provide decent health care. They actually have employees who are paid so little that they're technically working poor and therefore eligible for food stamps. And Walmart helps them get food stamps. You know what that means? That means that the government is subsidizing Walmart. Um, Pennsylvania, I believe it was, got on Walmart about that, about their health care, because their health care was so bad that the state had to help their employees, and the governor was like, why are we helping you, your private company? So Walmart's been bribing Mexicans, and, well, they, I guess they have to do business in Mexico since all the Mexicans are leaving the United States. I wonder if they sell fence-building supplies. Hmm, might be some money there, Walmart. Good luck. Now here's another thing going on and and this is where i again, our politicians, our system it's broken, it's backwards. you just we keep fighting the same fights back in the sixties, when black people first started to vote, ooh boy when I shouldn't say when black people first started to vote, but back in the sixties, there were Efforts to stop black people from voting. They tried to intimidate them at the polls. Some polls would ask um, constitutional questions that they knew no one could answer. Or they would ask for some kind of ID or prove you're an American or just different things. They tried to discourage them from voting. They tried to intimidate them, et cetera. Well, now Republican legislatures are passing voting laws that are supposed to fight fraud. But that's a cover story. Look, they're trying to make it harder to vote Democratic. They're passing laws like asking for ID and and restricting times when voters can register and so on to try to discourage young people and minorities from voting because young people and minorities generally vote Democratic. So this is what the Republicans are doing. And and the joke about it is the reason, oh, it's not partisan. This is American. Really? Really, just suddenly you need those laws. Like you didn't need those laws in 2004. You know, when George Bush was the incumbent, there was no need to check those things. Or in 2000, or back in the 80s, and Reagan, or in the 70s with Nixon, or in in the 60s or the 50s. Nah, never needed. Didn't need those laws back then. But now you better have an ID, and you better have all kind of proof. Listen, it's voter intimidation. And the shame of it is, is we've we thought we fought this fight. We thought we went through this. So if you're listening, Please vote. And I don't care whether you vote Republican or Democrat. That's up to you. If you vote for Obama or Romney or, you know, for, listen, vote for Ted, the pot-smoking teddy bear. I don't care. Just vote. And please don't be intimidated. It, it, this is disgusting. It's embarrassing. As a nation, we should be past that. It's the same thing with the redistricting. You know, politicians in legislatures here in California, for example, they set up districts. Like, in other words, This area has this congressman That area has that congressman And they set it up in such a way that the congressman Will always win Once you're in, you're in for life We'll talk about it more It's not good Um, Newt Gingrich is still running for president Newt hasn't heard that, That he's out of it He hasn't heard that he doesn't have enough delegates Newt Gingrich has five more delegates Than me, I think Maybe five more than me He doesn't have more than, I don't know Sarah Palin, Uh, listen, Newt Gingrich has more Facebook friends than delegates. He's not running for president, but he won't let it go. He's still in. He's still collecting money. No one knows what Newt is doing, but he may exit the race. Someone, I think, read him a newspaper and said, Newt, let it go. Romney is a Republican candidate. Good luck there, Newt. See you at Tiffany's. Okay, now here's the thing. This is what what I talk about with our political system being broken. Utah Senator Orrin Hatch is forced into a primary fight. Senator, he's going into his seventh term. There's something wrong with a seven-term senator. There's no way anybody should be a seven-term anything. Congressman, Senator, Alderman, forget it. We have to have term limits because these guys get so locked in and guys, women, whoever it is, they get so locked in. They don't care anymore. Their old jo- whole job is being reelected, blah, blah, blah. So here he is. He's been there forever. He's a Republican senator from Utah, and he failed to get the 60 percent of delegate votes during the Republican, Utah's Republican convention. So now he has to fight against a state senator to be nominated to run for the Senate again. You know what? That's good. That gives people a choice. And it's not just a Republican thing. Listen, here in in L.A., we've got Maxine Waters, who's been a congresswoman forever and has been involved in scandals with banking and this and that, and she is so locked in, Maxine. You know, it's not a lifetime appointment. Strom Thurmond was in the Senate so long, he had voted on segregation. And, and died 90-something years old, still a senator. Now, listen, two terms is, is a maximum for the president. Nobody should be in the government more than 12 years, and it should not be lifetime benefits. It should be a job. You go in, you do your representation, and you move on. Okay, enough of this. It, it's, it's so ridiculous how entrenched these politicians are, and they're professional politicians. And if you think your opinion matters to them, well, you better have some super PAC money. Speaking of money, we're going to wrap this up. There's an old saying, money can't buy happiness. Well, it turns out it can. Money can buy happiness. The Maris Institute of Public Opinion, who studies things like this, they're researchers, they're Princeton University, and few years back they did a study who's happy and they came up with people who make $75,000 a year are happy now it's a few years ago okay so let's say this is 2007 2008 2009 back then well now we're going to go before 2007 we're going to go before the worst of the recession almost depression which was 2008 so let's say in 2007 if you made 75,000 you were happy they studied your happiness and you know, they, it was things like um, health, employment, community involvement, family, neighborhood safety, spiritual life. The, the things that the things that are difficult to measure, but you poll, you ask, Are you happy? Do you like your family? Do you like where you live? You know, do you like your church, your neighbors? whatever? Are you happy? You're happy with your car. You're happy with your house, whatever. Are you happy? How much you make? Seventy five grand a year. Bam. Cost seventy five grand a year to be happy now. You have 175 grand a year. Are you any happier? Maybe not. Maybe you got a nicer car, a nicer house. Maybe you're not any happier. Well, guess what? The cost of happiness has dropped. I don't know if it's the recession. I don't know if it's unemployment. I don't know if, if it's those great Kia commercials making you say, I don't need a BMW. I could dream of a Kia and dance with hamsters. I don't know what it is. But now people are happy at 50K. That's right. People are making $50,000, they're happy. Maybe it's because the price of all the houses dropped and these are the people who bought houses after the boom. I But they're happy, they're healthy. Listen, God bless you. If you're happy on 50 grand a year, you know, happiness. If you're happy, God bless you. Now, obviously, you have to adjust for where you live because in L.A., if you're making 50 grand a year, you ain't happy. In New York, if you're making 50 grand a year, you ain't happy. But maybe if you live in a small town in the Midwest and you make 50 grand a year, you're ecstatic. You know, so so I think it's relative depending on where you are. But but on nationwide, you could probably live pretty good on 50 grand. What am I saying? You probably could. They did a study. You're happy on 50 grand a year. I'm not. I am a materialistic. Just I'm no good. I'd be happy. on. I don't even know. I don't even know what it would cost to make me happy. Hell, I'm a comic. Last thing we need are happy comics running around. You know what they say, a happy comic is a clown, and no one likes them. They scare the children. This is Alonzo Bowden. You are listening to Who's Paying Attention. I love you for listening to my podcast. Thank you for tuning in this week. We'll see you next week. Tell all your friends about me. I need the subscribers. Alonzo Bowden, Who's Paying Attention, signing off.